This is day 25 of our daily Bible reading. We will read Leviticus chapters 7 through 10 and Psalm chapter 25. Lord God, we enter into your presence this day, remembering that we are sacrifices ourselves. In the same way that you had the Levitical priests perform the sacraments and the rituals for the cleansing of sins, you too, O Lord, have given us an example of how to be a living sacrifice. May we look to your Son, Jesus, as an example for us to follow, of how to be godly, of how to interact with you, and how to be obedient, even to the point of death. Lord, help us to see the significance in this, and for us to recognize that you are worth dying for. You have given all to us, and the least that we can do in return is to give of ourselves. Please bless the reading of your word today, and help us to see the hidden truth that is in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this is the law of the guilt offering. It is most holy. In the place where they slay the burnt offering, they are to slay the guilt offering, and he shall sprinkle its blood around on the altar. Then he shall offer from it all its fat, the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them, which is on the loins, and the lobe on the liver he shall remove with the kidneys. The priest shall offer them up in smoke on the altar as an offering by fire to the Lord. It is a guilt offering. Every male among the priests may eat of it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy. The guilt offering is like the sin offering. There is one law for them. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it. Also, the priest who presents any man's burnt offering that priest shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering which he has presented. Likewise, every grain offering that is baked in an oven and everything prepared in a pan or on a griddle shall belong to the priest who presents it. Every grain offering, mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to all alike. Now this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings which shall be presented to the Lord. If he offers it by way of thanksgiving, then along with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, he shall offer unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers spread with oil, and cakes of well-stirred fine flour mixed with oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall present his offering with cakes of unleavened bread. Of this he shall present one of every offering as a contribution to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offerings. Now as for the flesh of the sacrifice of his thanksgiving peace offerings, it shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it over until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a votive or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice, and on the next day what is left of it may be eaten. But what is left over from the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned with fire. So if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings should ever be eaten on the third day, 
he who offers it will not be accepted, and it will not be reckoned to his benefit. It shall be an offensive thing, and the person who eats of it will bear his own iniquity. Also, the flesh that touches anything unclean shall not be eaten. It shall be burned with fire. As for other flesh, anyone who is clean may eat such flesh. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which belongs to the Lord, in his uncleanness, that person shall be cut off from his people. When anyone touches anything unclean, whether human cleanness or an unclean animal or any unclean detestable thing, and eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall not eat any fat from an ox, a sheep, or a goat. Also, the fat of an animal which dies, and the fat of an animal torn by beast, may be put to any other use, but you must certainly not eat it. For whoever eats the fat of the animal from which an offering by fire is offered to the Lord, even the person who eats shall be cut off from his people. You are not to eat any blood, either a bird or animal, in any of your dwellings. Anyone who eats any blood, even that person, shall be cut off from his people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, He who offers the sacrifice of his peace offerings to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own hands are to bring offerings by fire to the Lord. He shall bring the fat with the breast, that the breast may be presented as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall offer up the fat in smoke on the altar, but the breast shall belong to Aaron and his sons. You shall give the right thigh to the priest as a contribution from the sacrifices of your peace offerings. The one among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offerings and the fat, the right thigh shall be his as his portion. For I have taken the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the contribution from the sons of Israel, from the sacrifices of their peace offerings, and have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons, as their due forever from the sons of Israel. This is that which is consecrated to Aaron and that which is consecrated to his sons from the offerings by fire to the Lord, in that day when he presented them to serve as priests of the Lord. These the Lord had commanded to be given them from the sons of Israel in the day that he anointed them. It is their due forever throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering the grain offering, and the sin offering, and the guilt offering, and the ordination offering, and the sacrifice of peace offerings, which the Lord commanded Moses at Mount Sinai in the day that he commanded the sons of Israel to present their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, 
saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, and the anointing oil, and the bowl of the sin offering, and the two rams, and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So Moses did, just as the Lord commanded him. When the congregation was assembled at the doorway of the tent of meeting, Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded to do. Then Moses had Aaron and his sons come near and washed them with water. He put the tunic on him and girded him with the sash and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him. And he girded him with the artistic band of the ephod, with which he tied it to him. He then placed the breastpiece on him, and in the breastpiece he put the urim and the thummim. He also placed the turban on his head, and on the turban, at its front, he placed the golden plate, the holy crown, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses then took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all its utensils and the basin and its stand to consecrate them. Then he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Next, Moses had Aaron's sons come near and clothed them with tunics and girded them with sashes and bound caps on them, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he brought the bowl of the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bowl of the sin offering. Next, Moses slaughtered it and took the blood and with his finger put some of it around on the horns of the altar and purified the altar. Then he poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. He also took all the fat that was on the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and their fat, and Moses offered it up in smoke on the altar. But the bull and its hide and its flesh and its refuse he burned in the fire outside the camp, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he presented the ram of the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. Moses slaughtered it and sprinkled the blood around on the altar. When he had cut the ram into its pieces, Moses offered up the head and the pieces and the suet in smoke. After he had washed the entrails and the legs with water, Moses offered up the whole ram in smoke on the altar. It was a burnt offering for a soothing aroma. It was an offering by fire to the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he presented the second ram, the ram of ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. Moses slaughtered it and took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. He also had Aaron's sons come near, and Moses put some of the blood on the lobe of their right ear and on the thumb of their right hand and on the big toe of their right foot. 
Moses then sprinkled the rest of the blood around on the altar. He took the fat and the fat tail and all the fat that was on the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and their fat and the right thigh. From the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake and one cake of bread mixed with oil and one wafer and placed them on the portions of fat and on the right thigh. He then put all these on the hands of Aaron and on the hands of his sons and presented them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then Moses took them from their hands and offered them up in smoke on the altar with the burnt offering. They were an ordination offering for a soothing aroma. It was an offering by fire to the Lord. Moses also took the breast and presented it for a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments, on his sons, and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, and his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. Then Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, Boil the flesh at the doorway of the tent of meeting, and eat it there together with the bread which is in the basket of the ordination offering, just as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. The remainder of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn in the fire. You shall not go outside of the doorway of the tent of meeting for seven days, until the day that the period of your ordination is fulfilled. For he will ordain you through seven days. The Lord has commanded to do as has been done this day, to make atonement on your behalf. At the doorway of the tent of meeting, moreover, you shall remain day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord, so that you will not die, for so I have been commanded. Thus Aaron and his sons did all the things which the Lord had commanded through Moses. Now it came about on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a calf, a bull, for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering, both without defect, and offer them before the Lord. Then to the sons of Israel you shall speak, saying, Take a male goat for a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both one year old, without defect, for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for peace offerings, to sacrifice before the Lord and a grain offering mixed with oil. For today the Lord will appear to you. So they took what Moses had commanded to the front of the tent of meeting, and the whole congregation came near and stood before the Lord. Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Moses then said to Aaron, Come near to the altar, 
and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, that you may make atonement for yourself and for the people. Then make the offering for the people, that you may make atonement for them, just as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron came near to the altar and slaughtered the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. Aaron's sons presented the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put some on the horns of the altar and poured the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. The fat and the kidneys and the lobe of the liver of the sin offering he then offered up in smoke on the altar, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The flesh and the skin, however, he burned with fire outside the camp. Then he slaughtered the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons handed the blood to him, and he sprinkled it around on the altar. They handed the burnt offering to him in pieces, with the head, and he offered them up in smoke on the altar. He also washed the entrails and the legs, and offered them up in smoke with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he presented the people's offering, and took the goat of the sin offering, which was for the people, and slaughtered it and offered it for sin, like the first. He also presented the burnt offering, and offered it according to the ordinance. Next, he presented the grain offering, and filled his hand with some of it, and offered it up in smoke on the altar, besides the burnt offering of the morning. Then he slaughtered the ox and the ram, the sacrifice of peace offerings, which was for the people. And Aaron's sons handed the blood to him, and he sprinkled it around on the altar. As for the portions of fat from the ox, and from the ram, the fat tail, and the fat covering, and the kidneys, and the lobe of the liver, they now placed the portions of fat on the breasts, and he offered them up in smoke on the altar. But the breasts and the right thigh Aaron presented as a wave offering before the Lord, just as Moses had commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he stepped down after making the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. When they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Then fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the portions of fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective firepans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me I will be treated as holy, and before all the people I will be honored. So Aaron therefore kept silent. Moses called also to Mishael 
and Elzaphon, the sons of Aaron's uncle, Uziel, and said to them, Come forward, carry your relatives away from the front of the sanctuary to the outside of the camp. So they came forward and carried them still in their tunics to the outside of the camp, just as Moses had said. Then Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes, so that you will not die, and that he will not become wrathful against all of the congregation. But your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, shall bewail the burning which the Lord has brought about. You shall not even go out from the doorway of the tent of meeting, or you will die. For the Lord's anointing oil is upon you. So they did according to the word of Moses. The Lord then spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons with you, when you come into the tent of meeting, so that you will not die. It is a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And so as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane, and between the unclean and the clean, and so as to teach the sons of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them through Moses. Then Moses spoke to Aaron and to his surviving sons Eleazar and Ithamar, Take the grain offering that is left over from the Lord's offerings by fire, and eat it unleavened besides the altar for it is most holy. You shall eat it, moreover, in a holy place, because it is your due and your son's due out of the Lord's offerings by fire. For thus I have been commanded. The breast of the wave offering, however, and the thigh of the offering, you may eat in a clean place, you and your sons and your daughters with you. For they have been given as your due and your son's due out of the sacrifices of the peace offerings of the sons of Israel. The thigh offered by lifting up, and the breast offered by waving, they shall bring along with the offerings by fire of the portions of fat, to present as a wave offering before the Lord. So it shall be a thing perpetually due you and your sons with you, just as the Lord has commanded. But Moses searched carefully, for the goat of the sin offering. And behold, it had been burned up. So he was angry with Aaron's surviving sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, saying, Why did you not eat the sin offering at the holy place? For it is most holy, and he gave it to you to bear away the guilt of the congregation, to make atonement for them before the Lord. Behold, Since its blood had not been brought inside, into the sanctuary, you should certainly have eaten it in the sanctuary, just as I commanded. But Aaron spoke to Moses, Behold, this very day they presented their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord. When things like these happened to me, if I had eaten a sin offering today, Would it have been good in the sight of the Lord? When Moses heard that, it seemed good in his sight. Psalm 25, a Psalm of David 
To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of these who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindnesses, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me, for your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with violent hatred. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Okay, there are some pretty interesting things we need to discuss in today's reading, so let's get right down to it. Chapter 7 and chapter 8 are more instructions on how to do specific sacrifices, and then in chapter 8 we see it come into fruition. We see the consecration of the tabernacle, as well as the priests for their service, which are Aaron and his sons. But at this point, Aaron has four sons. But unfortunately, that's not going to last for much longer. Moses gave all the commands that God had given him to Aaron and his sons. He told them exactly what to do, how to do it, and is basically hands-on training by him offering the sacrifices with them, even though he himself was not a priest. He is a Levite, and therefore he is qualified to do it, but he is leading the people as an example. And so he is the one who does the sacrifices to get things into motion and to show them what is expected. And that is a good example for us to follow as well. We should not just be people who tell others how to live a godly life or just tell them to pray or just to read your Bible. 
but show them how to do it. Sit down with somebody and disciple them. That's basically what it is, is discipling someone. So we as a people are to make disciples of all nations, right? That is the Great Commission. So take some time in the days to come to identify someone that you could disciple and to teach them the Word of God better, how to pray better, and that person will also hold you accountable. And together, both of you will grow in maturity in Christ. We see this happen here with Moses, where Moses is leading by example and helping set everything up. So after the inauguration of these priests, and after they had performed all of the rituals leading up to the completion of the consecration, then we see the Lord appear to the people. Somehow his glory, his heaviness, which is in the original Hebrew, was upon the people. And they witnessed something supernatural, and they were humbled by it. It says that when they saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. They were afraid, and rightly so. God is to be feared. But more than that, he is to be respected and admired. He deserves our reverence and our awe. But it doesn't last very long, right? In chapter 10, we see a sadder portion of Scripture here, where two of the sons, Nadab and Abihu, offer strange fire to the Lord. Now, what in the world is that? What is strange fire? God had given specific commands of how to handle his tabernacle, how to handle the sacrifices, how to handle the fire, how to handle the bread. All those things were intended to be obeyed exactly to the letter. God is a holy God, and he wanted to be treated as holy. So anything he commanded, he expected full obedience on. And so apparently these two sons did not do what they were instructed to do. They thought they were going to do it their way, and they suffered an immediate consequence. They lost their lives. So on their very first day of being priests, two of the priests died, apparently because they were using coals of fire that were not taken from the bronze altar as prescribed. It seems as well that they offered incense other than the one that they were instructed to do in the morning or the evening sacrifice. There are some scholars that also think it's possible that they were kind of drunk, because shortly after all of this happens, the Lord speaks directly to Aaron and tells him that you guys should not be drinking. So there's a possibility that's the case, but we don't know that for sure. But either way, one thing is very clear. This is what the Lord spoke in verse 3. By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. And before all the people, I will be honored. That is the instruction from the Lord. So as the priests, the representatives of God to the people, they needed to be above reproach. They needed to be proper examples of the holiness of God. Today, there are no need for priests. 
The Catholic Church still uses them, but they're using them improperly. But I'm not going to get into that. However, we are all priests. We are all called to be a holy priesthood, as Peter says. And so, in that way, we are all representatives of God. In fact, it's in the name of what you believe. You are a Christian. A Christian is a little Christ, a little representation of Christ. And so if you are not treating Christ as he deserves to be treated, and you are not presenting the clear Jesus Christ to the world, then you're doing something wrong. God may not take your life immediately like he did with these two, but God here is setting expectations for the priesthood and for the people that when it comes to him, he will be treated as holy. There is no way of getting around that. He will be honored and respected as he is commanded. And if you can't do that, then get out of the way. That's basically what he's telling them here. And that's why Aaron did not respond. I'm sure he was deeply upset, and he was mourning the loss of his two sons. But he respected the fact that the Lord had given specific commands not to do things differently than he's prescribed. Do not deviate from what they have been commanded. And already two sons did, and that's what they got. So all that happened, and then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying that you shall not drink alcohol before you go and perform your priestly duties. Not only to illustrate the fact that we are supposed to be sober-minded, in that we are clear-headed with full obedience to Christ, but also the simple fact that if you're inhibited in some way, then you're going to mess up somewhere. You don't have full control of your faculties when you're drunk. And especially when you have a priest's job, we just saw that there are deep consequences for that. So that's most likely why God said that. I don't know that for a fact, but that's what it seems to suggest. Then something else happened near the end of chapter 10, where Moses discovered that the remaining two sons, Eliezer and Ithamar, did not do exactly what they were told to do either. However, they were not killed for it. Now, this one seems to be more out of ignorance than anything else. They did the sin offering correctly, but they were also supposed to eat it. But they did not eat it. Instead, they burned all of it. And Moses is like, why? Why didn't you guys eat it? And so Aaron gives an explanation. And his explanation seems to suggest that because of the death of his other two sons, they didn't feel worthy to eat it. They didn't deserve to eat it after what they had done. And so when Moses heard that, it sounded good to him. He accepted that as an explanation. And I think it's also because of the heart condition. There must have been something in Nadab and Abihu that was rebellious against God, to where God struck that down. But it seems like Eliezer and Ithamar were sincere, and they meant well in what they were doing. And God sees the heart. And most likely, because God saw their hearts and that it was acceptable to him, then he didn't kill them and he wasn't offended by it. Moses was zealous for the things of God, just like we should be. 
And so he wanted to understand why it happened. And they had a good explanation for it. So they left it at that. Moving on to Psalm chapter 25, we see another Psalm of David, where he is petitioning to the Lord for protection, for guidance, and for being pardoned from his sins. You see that through the first third of this psalm. He makes note that he's lifting up his soul. He doesn't want to be ashamed. He wants to know God's ways. He wants to be taught by God. He wants God to lead him down the path of salvation, and that he's going to wait for God and for his compassion to take effect in his life. In the second third of the psalm, he starts describing attributes of God. And so if you don't know God very well, or you don't know the things about him that define his character, this is one place to look that gives us a wealth of information. God is good, and he is upright, that he has complete moral integrity. He instructs sinners in the way that they should go. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his ways. He doesn't teach the proud his ways, because why? The proud don't listen. The proud are too busy doing what they want to do. But those that humble themselves before the Lord, he will reveal himself to them. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Look back to the sons of Aaron. They did not keep his commands, and so things did not go well for them. You will find the Lord's will in your life if you obey him, if you keep his commandments, and if you seek him out. Verse 12 is another good one. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him and he will make them know his covenant. The fear of the Lord, a very important concept that we need to have today, that quite often we don't talk about enough. The fear of the Lord is to have healthy respect and reverence for him. Think about your boss at work. Are you worried about messing up and getting in trouble with your boss? Are you ever worried that your boss will fire you if you don't do your job right? What about when you were a kid and you were scared that your parents were going to punish you if you didn't do something right? More often than not, I remember obeying my parents because I didn't want those consequences. That is having fear for my parents. How should we have fear for God then? Should we obey his commandments? Should we do what he says? Should we look at sin and recognize that God is always watching us when we sin? That the choices we make, he is completely aware of? And in light of the fact that God is always seeing us, that should make a difference whether we sin or not? Things like that. Those are characteristics of having the fear of the Lord. Do you respect him enough to not sin? Do you actively resist sin? Do you seek him in prayer and in his scripture? And I'm not talking about what we're doing here. 
talking about what you do on your own time. Those are all signs of fearing the Lord. And if there is no evidence in your life of fearing the Lord, how is the Lord going to bless you? Why should you expect him to bless you if you're not doing anything he said to do? It says clearly here what God expects from us. The secret of the Lord, knowing the deeper things of God, the hidden things of God, is for those who fear him. And only those people qualify to know the secrets. He will make them know his covenant. God will reveal himself to people who obey him. That's something to consider today. Are we that person? Do we obey God? Or is there somewhere in our lives where we have walled him out? Think about that today and pray for forgiveness and to remove those barriers in your life. Let God have all of you, because his way is far better than anything you can do for yourself. Trust me. Then in the last third of the psalm, it discusses deliverance. Lord, rescue me. Keep your eyes on me. Turn to me and be gracious. I am distressed. Forgive me. Look upon me. Deliver me and guard my soul. Let your integrity preserve me, Lord. I will wait for you. He understands. David gets it. He knows who God is. He just described it. And so in response to knowing who God is, he's going to fear the Lord, and he's going to wait for God to act. Now, there's an important distinction of what waiting on the Lord means. There is a passive form of waiting that we should not be doing, and there is an active form of waiting that we should be doing. A passive form of waiting is to throw our hands up, lean back in our chairs, and say, you know what? I don't have to do a thing. God's going to take care of it. I'll just step aside so he can do what he wants. But is there something we should be doing in the meantime? Maybe a better way to put it would be like in a military setting. You're not always at war when you're in the military, right? There will be periods of time while you are enlisted where you'll be in preparation. You'll be training. You'll be learning new skills. You'll be developing yourselves in preparation for the day that you do have to go to war. But not every day is a war, is it? There are some days where we have to be ready for the battle. And so you spend that time waiting for the commanding officer to tell you to go march on the front lines. The same thing happens in the Christian life, too. Just because it says we are to wait on the Lord doesn't mean we don't develop ourselves in any way. It doesn't mean we don't invest in God in any way. Absolutely, we should wait for him. But what are we doing while we wait for him to act? We're studying the scriptures. We're seeking him through prayer. We're witnessing. We're showing the world godly conduct. We're performing good works. We're doing all these things that show the true value of your faith. Are you living out your faith in fear and trembling? This is what we do while we're waiting. This is an active waiting. We don't have new orders from our commanding officer yet. We will, but while we wait, we have standing orders to maintain our spiritual constitution, 
to grow and conform to the image of Christ, to obey his commandments. We have a lot of things we could be doing while we wait. So let's make sure we're doing those things. And just like David, he's not just going to sit idly by while God is acting. He's going to wait for God expectantly. And while he waits, he is going to seek the Lord while he may be found. Our Bible verse to memorize for today is going to be Psalm chapter 25, verse 14. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.